1: Welcome to the GG TMC, everybody. We are back, Sammy and Willie. No, uh, no substitutes this week. No uh, backups. Everything seems to be okay. My voice is back. Uh, well, everything seems to be okay, at least with us too, anyway. Let's put it that way. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we are back, and this week we got a Vinegar Syndrome show for you guys. Make sure to check out their stuff. Is it vincent.com or is it vinegarsyndrome.com?
0: Yeah,
2: I think either or, but okay. vin, V-I-N-S-Y-N, of course, yes.
1: Check, Let's check it out on air. Yep. Check out their stuff. Uh, they put out they're putting out a lot of stuff that you know used to you couldn't find anywhere. So that's right. They're hopefully they're fighting the good fight and they keep doing that. Putting out a lot of stuff that uh, used to only be probably on VHS, if anywhere. It may be even lesser than that. It may have been just beta only or like no release ever. <laughs> uh, that's I had right. I had certainly never seen the one we were gonna do tonight, which is uh, no. Death by Invitation. Um, I believe it's from 71, maybe? That's right. Ooh, that was a guess. I did not write that down. That's a good guess. That was a funny story about Death by Invitation. We were going to do something else, and we'll talk about that right before the review, but uh, we kept talking to each other about the Death by Invitation disc, and so we decided, hey, what the hell, let's just do Death by Invitation. <laughs> so I'll talk a little bit more yeah, about that. Yeah, that's the way it worked about, out. Yeah, so I'll talk a little bit more later about the reason behind that. So, All right, so... We are back, and uh, yeah, let's get going. What have you been watching lately?
2: Well, we should say it's uh, episode two fifty-five. Yes, it is. Um, I've watched some pretty heavy stuff. Whoops, hang on here. Um, I had a good week. I, you know, I, as I may have said on the air, we should say too. This is a night recording. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> who, know, who knows where it's going to go? Yeah. But um. I, uh, I watched some some heavy hitters because what had happened was I had a bunch of Barnes & Noble Criterions and Funimation discs and some other stuff that uh, I vowed to myself until I watched this large pile of physical media. I wasn't going to be streaming and getting into all sorts of other shit. So uh, it's actually two weeks worth, right? Because we... Uh, I, we didn't really talk about it last week. Yeah. So first up, without further ado, I rewatched Star Wars with my uh, my two boys. Never heard of it. So they, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Russian uh, obscurity. Um, it's uh, yeah, it holds up pretty well. I think it's pacey enough. And I was just talking about this ironically with Todd a little while ago. Uh, the first two are pretty good. Uh, Jedi's fine. I, I you know I, I've stated my opinion on the films. I think this one's well done. It's no matter how I feel, it was a momentous occasion as a cinephile to be watching a film that looms that large over uh, not just film culture but pop culture yeah. culture. Yeah, I mean it's so iconic. So it, it was good. I mean, you know, we had fun with it, and now the kids want to see part two with Yoda. So yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, next up was a film by a filmmaker that was a big influence on George Lucas, uh, Kira Kurosawa's *Ikiru*, which was a blind spot for me. Um, in his filmography, about the Criterion, uh, Takeshi Shimura, who I'm a big fan of, and it's it's supposed to be one of a real, uh, real heart string puller, and uh, it sure was. It's about a man who who realizes that um, he's been kind of squandering his life, and, and when he gets given a bit of a death sentence um, by way of a terminal illness, and that's not a spoiler. That's that's pretty well known. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that looking at the cover now gives me a lump in my throat because I know the context of it right right oh man, what a film, just a tremendous film uh, Ikiru or Ikiru Shimura. Embodies the lead role so well he just' it's such a sense of humanity he almost reminds me in some ways of uh, like a Bruno Gans. he has a very a sympathetic humanity to him that he brings to a lot of our roles,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah he's got a very dignity, yeah, his emotions kind of show in his face and uh, and then when he has to hold him back, they show you know that shows as well. He just has this really great face. I mean you know he is one of the great actors, Japanese or not it doesn't matter oh, yeah he's
2: just one of the greats so Mifune gets a lot of ink and rightfully so, but. Mm. Shamora deserves just as much praise. Yes, he does. It wasn't as flashy. Um, Next up was uh, Notorious, Alfred Hitchcock. I'd never seen it. I talked with you about it off the air. I'm not a big Cary Grant fan. Uh, I don't dislike Cary Grant. I just think that I don't really see what the fuss is. He's a glamorous movie star, but I never feel he transforms himself for any films. Um, I much prefer Rock Hudson, who I think people lampoon a bit for his inability to act but if you look at his filmography i I think it's it's just as interesting if not more so um and i'm not a brigman fan i don't see what the fuss is she's a fine actress but she's not a bombshell by any measure i don't i don't get the fuss over her give me give me lauren bacall any day uh or a number of actresses for that matter but the film's fine it's not great um there's a few great scenes including the ending you know really really grips you because um, mm-hmm. you're waiting for a few things to kind of blow up in a few people's faces. And um, gosh, I can't think of the actor's name, though, that Sanity plays the, the Nazi. Pretty famous character actor. Do you recall his Claude Rains? Claude Rains. Uh, fantastic in the film, of course. hmm Then in the run-up to watching *Prisoners* in the theater, I decided to rewatch *The Blue* of well, watch *The Blue*, but rewatch the film *Polytechnique*, uh, directed by great Canadian filmmaker Denis Villeneuve, um, about a pretty dark time in our history with the massacre of a number of female students at a university in Montreal in uh, '89, I believe it was. Reminiscent of Alan Clark's Elephant, um, or Gus Van Sands, if you're more familiar with that one. Not as as specific in terms of cinematography, though. Uh, Next up was a film for me that's running neck and neck with Battle of Algiers for the greatest first-time watch of my year. Um, It's a film that uh, I was already a big fan of the filmmaker, um, and you had proclaimed it to be the heist film. And I would say that your proclamation is correct. Yeah, I mean, and that is, of course, Rafifi.
1: Yes, <laughs> or as our good, our good uh, uh, Manchester uh, son says, Rafifi.
2: Rafifi.
1: Rafifi. We love you, Paul.
3: <laughs> it's excellent,
2: excellent. But what a film! I mean, people that this—it's—it's it's just such a tremendous piece of work. And I think when you look at, I always have. See, I always have this notion to to f- make um, Jules Dassin's name Francophone, like Jules Dessain. But yeah. he was an American. Yeah. So Jules Jules Dassin? I don't know. Jules Dassin maybe? Yeah, I've, always, I've, Jules
1: I've always heard of dessin but, but, you know, it could be the so, other way around. So.
2: Sure. But in any event, a guy who was working in a country that the language and culture was not familiar to him, um, the budget was very low on the film. Mm-hmm. And the template hadn't really been in place for this kind of... Well, it was in place, but to do what he did, just take it to another level. I mean, it just—he just kills it, just crushes it. it what a film! I, I highly implore everyone to see this. It's got that thirty-minute, pretty much silent uh, heist scene that um, yeah. Melville lifted for *The Scarlet Rouge*, which you know, another amazing film. But see, that's what I mean. People talk about uh, filmmakers ripping people off. It's like yeah. <laughs> Melville did the same thing. Thirty, yeah. like it's 20, thirty minutes silent heist. So, so it's, it's just, just that we live yeah. in an age where. Films that are more present mm-hmm. or were easier to pick up the reference yes. versus someone like who Kubrick was referencing or who Melville was referencing. Exactly. You've got to go further back in film history. Yeah,
1: yeah. And for that matter, you know, Dessen and uh, Melville weren't doing interviews and talking about the films. That's right. All the time, like today's modern filmmakers are. Today's modern filmmakers will go on and say all the things they love, and then you'll see their film and you'll be like, well, yeah, I can see why you love that stuff. But uh, yeah, those guys Yeah and you see a
2: Charlie Rose interview. Yeah,
1: those guys have been doing that for I mean, that's been going on for ages. So
2: Uh uh-huh. Well yeah, I was just talking with someone the other day about how Sean Cunningham was Bava, I think it was probably you, half his fucking paycheck from Friday the thirteenth, because that's Bay of Blood.
1: <laughs> yeah, essentially, yes it is. It's
2: shameless. Um But uh, yeah, so anyway, <clears throat> I really cannot recommend Rafifi enough or Rafi <laughs> I love it's it. A, it's just a, it's a masterpiece by any measure. It's one of my favorite films. I love it so much. Uh, next up, was, I decided to really shift gears and get into something that when I heard it, the the tagline not the tagline but this sort of the pitch for it, I couldn't not watch it. And that is, um, <laughs> fuck, it's Jodorowsky's Holy Mountain remade with clips from animal film dog films that had been thrown in the garbage on VHS. <laughs> yeah. oh. So it, I watched dog, Doggy Woggies, Poochie Woochies. <laughs> Jesus. And it's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. And they do get the uh, the uh, <laughs> the Holy Mountain stuff down relatively well. It's uh, it's pretty incredible, for nice. sure. I, I It's on YouTube, I think. You can at least watch the trailer on there, if not the whole film. Pretty fantastic. Um then, I don't even remember what this film is. Oh, uh, I watched uh, Jali, of sorts, Devil in the Brain, with uh, Stefania Sandrelli, an actress I quite like, and, and Kira Delea, or Delay, however you say it. I've always said Delea, from 2001. Uh, I hadn't seen him really do much outside of that film, frankly, and see him working as Jali I thought would be interesting. So the film kind of spins its wheels a bit. But uh, it's okay. It's, it's not bad. Uh, then I decided to keep going with all the physical media that I, would, I bought, that I was trying to catch up with, and I rewatched uh, Billy Freakin' film uh, on Blue to Live and Die in L.A. Yeah. So it's a good film. The car chase is really the the centerpiece. I still have a problem with William Peterson. I still feel like he's. He, like certain guys can pull off that big dick swagger 80s cop and I just don't think he quite pulls it off I think mm-hmm. he it feels a little bit dress up for me mm-hmm. but I've never been a Peterson fan I mean same with um Manhunt I just I I don't really like him I've always found that especially as he got older he looked like uh, Mike Martz <laughs> same as Rams former coach yeah nice Which I think is where the seed of hate came from, because I used to hate watching The Greatest Show on Turf. (laughs) But anyway, the film's pretty good. Uh, It's got some good stuff. The Wang Chung soundtrack score is is really fantastic. It's um, very much of the time, but timeless. So yeah, good stuff. Uh, Then I watched, which I talked about last night, on uh, the episode we guested on for Double Parade Spread with our good friend Wendy. And I talked about uh, Justice League Doom, which is a really amazing uh, animated film that Warner put out, where basically the event the Avengers, the Justice League, um, ends up getting kind of defeated by a bunch of villains. They take Batman's hard drive, and they find that he has been he has a, a dossier on every member of the Justice League, and so these villains take it. Uh, I think it's Vandal Savage. That's the guy's name. Yeah. And uh, they take a a nemesis of each superhero and they defeat them using their weakness. And it's pretty fucking amazing. So, yeah, really good stuff. And then I watched what I have to say, a big, big few weeks for me now that I look at this, I have to say is is probably the most stunningly well shot film I've ever seen in my life. And that's a Criterion release of Marqueta Lazarova. Ah, yes. Which a lot of people hate. A lot of people hail this as the Czech film. Uh, the Czech Republic and Slovakia uh, voted it as the greatest film uh, in their film's history, uh, and for good reason. It's it was it's been called sort of an experimental action film, which I mean that that just kind of sells me. It, it's a pretty astounding piece of work. I really highly recommend it. And uh, a couple more. I watched Shaolin Handlock, which is a Funimation. Uh, foundation film it's pretty interesting because this feels almost like um gareth evans of the raid fame lifted some stuff from this or there's certainly parallels Mm. with uh, with this david chang uh was in it and t long no yeah uh not t long sorry lo lee uh playing playing the the bad guy and it's good because it takes place in thailand so there's some it's nice to get away from some of the stagey period stuff that was happening so much in uh Shaw films at the time, so it looks nice. They take advantage of the Thai locations, and I watched one more film, but I'm not going to talk about it or even tell you what it is because it's for a top secret project that's going to be happening in the month of October for the GGTMC. Nice. So stay stay tuned for the midnight
4: ride.
2: Yeah, nice, nice.
1: All right, uh, I didn't watch a whole lot in the last few weeks. Been very busy. Not know nothing new, but. Uh it is what it is. I did check out Rui 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 Kitamura's uh, "No One Lives," uh, which is uh, you know another. It stars Luke Evans. It's Kitamura. It looks good, like all of his films do. But and this one's much shorter. It's only like eighty something minutes long. Uh, it's this nice little twist to it, but uh, I still think the film's ultimately pretty much a fail. Should uh, it be called "No One Cares"? Yeah, <laughs> no one should care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's weird. It costs about three million dollars, and uh, I don't know where they spent three million dollars on this thing. Um, so yeah, I've seen. I watched a movie this week that only cost six thousand dollars and looks a lot better than this movie. So that that's kind of bizarre. Oh wow! And was a better film than this film as well. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Kinamura, I don't know if he'll ever. I don't know if he'll ever do it for me. I'll be honest with you. He might just be one of those no. guys that I just never get. So.
4: I'm
2: with you, hundred percent
5: on him.
1: Yeah, uh, then I watched the uh, the battery, which is a low budget film. I just talked about it a little bit, six thousand dollars, made by a couple of guys, uh, a couple of people walking around. Uh, I think the New England area, post apocalyptic zombies, that kind of thing. Uh, kind of a different take, not really my genre, but the website is selling the film for like seven bucks. And if you, I, th- I don't know if it's still active, but if you type in Facebook in the coupon code, you can get it for five bucks. It's a digital copy, but it's DRM free. So you can do with it what you want. Put it on your iPad, your phone, blah blah blah. Your app, uh, your Apple TV. You can stream it, whatever. You know, you just can just you can you can manipulate it how you want to manipulate it. But it is uh, it is pretty good for what it is. Six thousand dollar low budget movie. It does suffer from a little bit of like I told you indie cuteness. There's some some Kevin Smith esque dialogue uh, choices in the film that were kind of strained. It it doesn't go too far though. Not every other word is fuck um which is Thank
2: goodness that gets great
1: yeah it does and it, that, that's a that's always a problem with indie films right you know you you got a couple people and they really want to emphasize that they're you know really distraught so fuck becomes every other word <laughs> it's like listening to silver and gold or something <laughs> but it, it, <laughs> exactly <laughs> 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 no, but uh I'm sure they'll get a laugh out of that. With <laughs> <But> the uh <laughs> I know that. I know that. But um but it was perfect timing either way. Um but it is good and it's worth a watch. It's only 86 minutes long, maybe 80, maybe 90 minutes total. I don't know. Uh something like that. Um but yeah. I I'm looking forward to the next film from the director. I hope he does something uh he stars in it and directs it. I'm hoping he does something else, so just maybe not zombies. Uh, I should be saying, yes. there's not a lot of zombie stuff in it. Yet. I mean, there there is some stuff, but it's not as much as you think. So that's another nice thing about it, I think. It's it, it's there, and you know it's there, and they establish it. But it's really about the friendship more than it is about the zombies. So I kind of like that take. Um, I watched uh, Don't Stop Believing, A One Man's Journey, which uh, I don't know why I watched it. It was on Netflix Instant Watch, and Uh, it is what it is you know i mean i I knew the story of this guy from the philippines who you know uh, got taken in as this lead singer because he sounds he sounds a lot like steve perry and a really good singer and um i'm not the world's biggest journey fan i mean i respect the the pop sensibilities of journey obviously but uh you know as a musician i do respect the you know what it is and and that stuff's not easy to write i mean if if we could all write don't stop believing we would right (laughs) so it's not exactly oh, yeah. like something you can just walk in and do. No. Um, but uh, it is interesting. Uh, I was kind of hoping to dig a little bit more into the guy. I didn't really, you know, they dug a little bit into Journey, which I didn't really care about. But if they were going to go that route, they should have dug a little deeper. They kind of, it seemed like a bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a glamour project for me, for some of those guys that are still left. Puff Entertainment
2: yeah. Tonight these.
1: Yeah, and and I liked it, but for that reason, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody because it does feel like a puff piece to me, a little bit too much. The story of the guy, the uh, gentleman, Arnel Pineda, Pina- Pina- I think is his name, P- Pineda, something like that. Uh, it is an interesting story, and, you know, congratulations to him, but uh, I think they should have focused more heavily on that. They did not. It just feels a little bit more like, a, uh, you know, without him, Journey would have never kept going. I, I don't know. I think Journey would have kept going no matter what. <laughs> you know, Whatever. Yeah. Uh, then I watched another music documentary because uh, this is one of the ones Netflix recommended to me, and I didn't know it was on streaming. I actually bookmarked it on iTunes to watch when it came out on disc or to rent streaming sometime when I wanted to. Uh, a documentary called "Ain't it, Ain't in It for My Health," uh, the, a tribute to uh, or a film about Levon Helm, who was the drummer and one of the founding members and one of the lead singers, if not the lead singer, of the band. Um, very influential a uh, group of uh, gentlemen from the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Uh, and it was really, really good. I mean, it it really was. I don't think it'd be a best-of-year candidate. Uh, it was made a couple of years ago, but it really didn't see wide release till this year. And uh, I don't think it'd be a best-of candidate. But, I mean, it, it it's definitely worth a watch. I mean, for people who like the band or love the band, uh, they're definitely going to want to watch it. For people who aren't really into the band, I think it still holds a lot of interesting uh, human choices that uh levon made in his life and uh yeah if you don't know the stories i won't i won't spoil them here so uh good stuff levon's a hell of a storyteller should have you know he's only 72 when he died and he could have told a lot more stories but you know I can't, cancer's a bitch sure is so there is that and i do recommend the uh, later uh levon helm uh records he made he made a couple i think i played a little bit of that music on the show before so definitely check those out Alright, so that's everything I've watched and uh, good stuff. I don't have any top secret stuff going on right now.
2: <laughs> um
1: do you? Producing no. you your cookies? <laughs> no, no. I always delete I always delete my cookies. <laughs>
2: private,
1: private viewing. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a short break and we're gonna come back and talk about Death by Invitation from seventy one. We'll be back right after this.
4: Ahoy, mateys. This is K.A.B., Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here, beaming a signal across the sea. I'll be here playing music all through the witching hour. I'm still waiting to hear from that weatherman. But in the meantime, stay here with me. Be sure to visit our sponsor, Paracinema Magazine. They're the source for all your genre movie needs. Check them out online at paracinema.net. Tell them Stevie sent you. Keep me turned on for a while, and I'll do my best to do the same for you. Smooth
6: sound, fabulous.
1: Thirteen forty, KAB. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. So, our film this week, "Death by Invitation." Uh, a young woman. I was alike. just wondering
2: why you were cutting me off, but it was because <laughs> I had my volume turned down. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, it wouldn't be a GGTMC show if you didn't do that at least once a month. Actually, it's been a long time <laughs> since you did that. I think. No, I think it oh. was. I think it was during a roundtable. Maybe the last time you made. I don't know. I can't remember. It wasn't during the one you did last week. A long time
2: meaning meaning two weeks.
1: (laughs) If only people knew what you were doing when that volume was (laughs) down. It involves cheesy fingers. Sure does. All right. Uh, Death by Invitation 71, directed by one Ken Friedman. A young woman learns that one of her ancestors had been burned at the stake as a witch. She decides to revenge her on the descendants of the people who had her killed. Ooh. You know what?
2: Does that make sense? It does. It's almost it's almost like a shouldn't they say avenge her?
1: Yeah. Well yeah, you got a point, yeah. She maybe she should have said she decides on revenge. Yeah, she's maybe she should have said she decides on revenge. Uh, either way the the synopsis is a little bit spoilery, but not really because when you see the film, I read this plot synopsis, I watched the movie, I still had a little bit of trouble understanding what was going on. (laughs) So, so yeah, I'm not a I'm not a bad well, film watcher. Like you know, when I watch a movie, I'm totally into what I'm watching. But this one confused me in spots, and uh, I think it has to do with the filmmaking, not with the actual film itself. But well, yeah, I think well, that's one and the same, I guess. But we'll get into that anyway. This is your first time watch. This is my first time watch. What'd you think of 1971's Death by Invitation?
2: <laughs> well. I uh, I thought that going in it was going to be a curious film. I liked that Vinegar Syndrome has been doing um, some kind of regional horror films that otherwise weren't really getting a lot of uh, a lot of love. Now, I do want to say before we go any further, Ken Friedman, I believe, only directed two films, but he did, let me see, I'm going to click on this very quickly here. Oh, he did three things actually. He did Death My Invitation, he did an episode of Saturday Night Live, yeah. And he did Made in USA, yeah, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, wow, what a cast: Lori Singer, Adrian Pasdar, and Judith Baldwin. Yeah, Chris Penn's huh? in there too. Oh, is it? yeah, there he is.
1: Yeah, that, that okay. was a little bit of a that was a little bit of a cable movie. I think people may have seen that one. But he was involved. Uh, he did. By... Yeah, he wrote some good stuff. He wrote Mr. Billion, the Terrence Hill, uh, Jonathan Kaplan American <laughs> attempt. He wrote White Line Fever, so he's been on the show before which is crazy that's what i was gonna
2: say is that he had yeah he wrote this film four years prior to white line fever he yeah. wrote heart like a wheel which you're a big fan of
1: yeah yeah wrote johnny handsome for uh walter hill so he I like, man he did some work um uh, looks like uh, bad girls may have put him down so <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it sure did but uh, no he he was a guy that certainly earned more uh like to see Silver Gold review bad girl, bad girls, and then the black one with Queen Latifah. <laughs> what was, uh, that? was it called? Wild Roses or something? Or?
1: Oh man, I don't remember what that one was called. Yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> I would like to see yeah, that, they too, that. They gotta do
2: that. They got, they got to do that double bad girls, and then I think it's called like Wild Roses or something, or who knows? Um, can I? Oh, you know, maybe I won't pay grass. Um, okay, so, yeah, so he'd written some things, Friedman had, and that certainly seemed to be where he got his, uh, earned his paychecks, clearly. Um, mm-hmm. With this film, though, it's a film that 71, you know, you're getting a period of time in, in genre film, and even in really in pop culture and, and kind of just culturally, there was a lot of stuff going on with the occult Uh, satanic kind of Satan worship and calls a lot of news stories on this stuff and Ouija boards and voodoo and um, when I think about this film I think it's certainly informed by some of that stuff but it also is informed by kind of something that lent itself out to a lot of genre films at the time that's kind of this post Vietnam paranoia and this mistrust of your neighbors and of the people around you in your community and what's beneath the facade because a lot of times before this things had been played relatively vanilla in films and then with the late 60s onward you started to see that veneer be pulled back and kind of it rotting beneath the surface and this film kind of kind of touched on some of that it does uh it actually
1: yeah it does have a message um it's 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 ham-handed a little bit but it is there and uh mm-hmm. It is for me it was a little convoluted but I mean you could definitely see it and I did get a little bit of that uh, late 60s early 70s um uh, Mandex door you know paranoia type cinema from this. It's funny you mentioned that because yeah, that's my first I definitely uh, do. it's my first note. <laughs> so yeah I'm going to see uh, I'm to see right if down. you go I want to see if you go right down the shoot where I go cuz that was the first note I wrote down I'm like was he is he reading my notes?
2: <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, produced by Robert or Leonard Kurtman, who produced a lot of comparable films at the time. Um, I think the film opens pretty effectively. I mean, it's got this kind of pioneer village. Totally. Slow-mo. Yeah. Um, it's pretty obvious they're trying to dress it up as like yeah. the 1800s or something. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's pretty obvious that, that it, it looks like people doing like uh, they're like Civil War enthusiasts or something that <laughs> yeah. are just dressed yeah. up. But it still is relatively effective because sometimes films, in spite of what they're trying to accomplish, end up accomplishing a certain mood anyway, in spite of themselves. I think this one kind of does that.
1: Yeah, they do like a Wild
2: Wild Bunch thing or something
1: almost. There's like freeze frames and it goes with the the soundtrack. And uh, yeah, you know, I thought Mm -hmm. after the first five minutes of this film, I thought I was in for a pretty kooky, crazy, like European-influenced ride. Uh, and I and, and in yeah, some ways I was
2: like, uh, the sentinel or something. Yeah, kind of unsure footing, like uh, really kind of bonkers, you know. Because this girl, it's almost like the opening of you haven't seen it yet. I don't think, but the remake of Evil Dead, this girl being dragged around and yeah. people wielding a lot of sharp kind of uh, farming instruments. Yeah, I, I, I'm. Uh, I,
1: of, yeah. One thing I can say, if you really dissect the opening, you can definitely tell it's a lot of amateur actors because there's a lot of moments where the they're looking at the camera or they're smiling, uh, you know, kind of, you know, realizing that, you know, they've probably never done anything like this before. This probably is pretty insane. You got one guy running around with pancake makeup uh, that's really...
2: 71, so it's the novelty. Is yeah,
1: there. yeah. And he's, he's really selling it too. So that might be why you see some smiles and giggles from some of the kids and stuff because he's really going for it.
2: <laughs> he is, but that's what I mean. Sometimes in spite of itself, stuff like that works, like... When you get all these people kind of wide-eyed looking at the camera, it, it almost somehow becomes unsettling in a kind of an absurd way. But, um, and I think too early on, there's a lot of kind of heavy drums and stuff like, um, like marching, like the big drums, like the big kind of, you know, like like a marshmallow, There'd be one guy that just bangs that drum once every like twenty seconds or whatever. It, that kind of lends itself well to the film. And like I said, it just feels very paranoid, but um, it, it kind of spins its wheels a bit in spots like uh, i have to be honest when you mentioned it being convoluted i feel like um the actress shelby leverington who plays lise the uh the lead in the film who kind of reminded me of um, the love child of linda cardellini and um, oh, shelly long
1: i totally got a cardellini from her i'm glad you got that too again another one of my notes not my next yeah. note but it's
2: right there <laughs> Yeah, but this Shelby Leverington, she, she's worked a lot. I think she's done a lot of really bit parts, and like Gia, the long rider, speaking of uh, our man. Uh, yeah. Also, the island, uh, speaking of Yorma, well, yeah. I, I won't heap them on you. I like that film a lot, too, actually. Yeah, But uh, she's worked quite a bit. This was her first role, and um, I think it's obvious that she is an amateur actress, but I think, considering this was Friedman's first film directing and writing yeah she hadn't done anything before this i think she acquits herself relatively well considering the material
1: yeah i'm glad you say that i was kind of worried you were going to go the other way for a second but no i mean she's one of my favorite things about the movie i think she really hangs in there and Mm -hmm. really gives a performance that in some ways this movie kind of doesn't deserve um it's a yeah i mean i think it's a well a very well i mean it's a little hammy in spots but i think she she sells it you know she sells it well i think
2: she does. Well here's the thing. She's given a few scenes that she's gotta do monologues for like four or five minutes that are pretty intense and pretty fucking bonkers and yeah. she sells them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that monologue like kinda of
2: leaves her twisting in the wind and she quits herself well,
1: Yeah, that monologue scene is great. That scene where she tells the story is. and stuff to the uh young younger man, that that's a that's a great scene. That's one of the best scenes in the it movie. Is.
2: I well, yeah, it's it's gonna come <laughs> up later. So yeah. 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 Um I, I don't know why he decided to name the family in this film the Vroots, Vroot, V R O O T. I think it's because it, it's a, it's supposed to take place in a
1: Dutch the, the original thing is supposed oh, to be a yes. Dutch village, so the Dutch settlement, yeah. yeah so I'm Vroot guessing is very Dutch. Yeah, I'm guessing he's trying to find the most Dutch name he could find. Uh, yeah, that, that's the that's pretty most Dutch.
2: glamorous Dutch name. Yeah, Vroot. Yeah, Vroot. But um, I, I have to be honest, though, when you talk about it being modeled, I, I thought Lise was like, the sister of that family at first. Yeah. So like, did I that. didn't quite understand, like, I didn't, I still, frankly, don't really know. Why, why was her, she, yeah, why was she there? Why was she there? Why was she there at dinner? I don't understand. Was she new to the neighborhood or, um, I don't know. I, it's, it's still a bit baffling to me, but you kind of have to go with it, I guess, sometimes Yeah. this, uh, oh, and also it should be said that, uh, she's, uh, what did I say here? Oh, was there a Sarah in this? I put Sister Sarah.
1: Oh, I do not remember a, Sarah. a Sarah. Oh, I don't. Know. Oh, yeah, there was. There was the a. Sarah, yeah, Sarah Root. She was in there. Sylvia Pressler. Sarah. There's a. Sarah,
2: Sylvia Pressler played Sarah Root, but it's obvious early on talking about non-actors. Sarah Root's trying so hard to be the <laughs> meek younger sister in this, in that like dinner scene. Yeah. She's really going hard for that. And it's great, too, because in that scene, Lise gets to be the um, the Olivia Di- Diabo to Dan Loria of uh, Mr. Root. Nice. Like the hippie, the hippie chick at the dinner table. It just, yeah. You know, to no end, just really infuriating the, <laughs> just the, the Johnny Unitas loving father. Yeah, just grinds his gears. Oh, yeah. But again, I at that point, I still thought it was his daughter and not some stranger having dinner.
1: So. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, well, I mean, there's the, there's also he does have one daughter that you I think he has a son-in-law and the son-in-law looks like he may be the father of Mark strong, the uh, character actor that's around yes. now <laughs> with hair. I mean, he looks so much like Mark strong. I actually went to IMDb to double check that Mark strong didn't pull a fast one on everybody and that he's older than he says he is.
2: <laughs> I, I thought it looked a bit like a young uh, Bobby De Niro too.
1: Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. But and he, yeah. his voice did not match his look. I can tell you that when he no. spoke, I don't know if it was his actual voice. I, I, I would think it was. It just didn't feel like it was dubbed. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. But he, he definitely had a strong look, but I couldn't figure out what that was. I couldn't figure out if he was supposed to be married to her or if he's supposed to have the hots for lease or what
2: the fuck yeah. was going on. <laughs> because he ends up having the hots for lease as the film goes on. And, you know, you get a guy that looks like Shelly from Friday the 13th Part 3 as the cab driver. <laughs> and uh, it's it's very, it's a very strange, um like, it feels very much like a New Jersey made or like an upstate New York made... um. Like a sort of regional horror film. Yeah, I wonder where it was shot. I'm going to look right now, and see if I can find it. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet anything. It's like upstate New York or New Jersey. It's the East Coast, and it's specifically sort of around there, Long Island. Like that's kind of the feel I get. Yeah. I would bet on that. Hope I don't lose everything and end up wearing a barrel with suspenders. But that's what I would bet. Um, but I love that scene when uh, she does that speech. It's like what a fucking first date. She, <laughs> I'll get I'll just to give you a snippet. <laughs> Of, of her speech here. She says, and I'm paraphrasing, and she's the camera really gets in close to her, and she's really focused, she's really intense, and she says, men were allowed to grease the women hunters up before the hunt, but the men were not allowed off their knees, and they would rub, they would have sex in the animal blood, and corpses groveling, and there's just, there's all sorts of bizarre language about, um, <laughs> it's it's a, it's a, like a very pagan um kind of pagan softcore like uh, if if there was ever um you know penthouse letters or penthouse forum oh, yeah. if there was like one for for pagans this like her story was like the pagan version of penthouse forum yeah
1: it feels like a 14 year old boy who's trying to write like the most satanic imagery he can write or something
2: yeah very perverse but there's some very sub and dom stuff going on and yeah. and then she goes uh with this rather large Body, he could satisfy four or more husbands at a, at the t- at a time. The, yeah, it's just very bizarre, and it's like. Uh, and then she she goes on to display what has to be the most powerful Vulcan death grip in the cinem- in the history of cinema. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> It is, man. (laughs) But yeah, it's just baffling. It's like eating organs and hunting in the nude and all sorts of stuff. And I have to say, I thought the blood looked pretty good for the time we're used to getting that bright red, uh, you know, from like you would see in a lot of Italian or Japanese films. But the blood looked pretty good, a pretty good consistency. and. And uh, the score for the film, which I mentioned earlier, I think throughout the film is also one of the stronger points. Like, it feels effectively kind of feverish and insane in spots. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially in the beginning.
2: I, More in the beginning, because yeah. then it starts to really drag ass in the back end, like yeah. the back half. Mm-hmm. It starts a lot stronger than it finishes. Um, the house in this is a very tactile, very wood panel. Oh, God, yeah. There's a lot of paneling going on. I was thinking of um, Jeez, it's <laughs> yeah. it's Because it's that thing like... I know that was the thing back then and we've got to be kind of strip things. We'd be more minimal now, but how distracting is it? Like there's just houses were so busy. Yeah. And very tactile. But, uh, yeah, uh, I thought Friedman clearly showed his knack lied in writing because the film does feel very low budget, but I think it feels quality for it despite being low budget and it's reasonably well written for someone who's, this was his first film. um, what is this six doors oh like there was a pretty funny comedic bit when uh that guy the the robert de niro uh, uh fuck who did you say he looked like again mark strong strong the the strong de niro love child <laughs> yeah. he goes to look for someone and there's a pretty co- funny comedic bit it's almost something like out of a marx brothers comedy where the girl says okay to get there you have to go with six doors down on the left and she starts kind of going on and on about this this kind of ridiculous maze, basically, that he has to get to to find a doctor. Was it a doctor he was looking for? Or? Yeah, something. I can't remember what Something. He was but uh, anyway, so he's kind of mumbling to himself trying to repeat the the I think uh, instructions he was look- back. I think he was looking for the office for the dad because he ends up in the Oh, yes, there. yes, that's right. He was. You're right. He was because that. my next note was <laughs> that the father looked like Paul Bearer with an Irish perm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, man, he, oh, he had that uh, crazy eye, too. Yeah, that kind yeah. of uh, off-center eye, and it was pretty insane looking. But uh, that scene is the most bizarre scene in this movie. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking of. At first, I thought, are they doing this because they don't want the cops to listen? Yeah. Uh, because it's they do this thing where they pump this loud music into this scene, and both the Mark Strong character and the father are basically talking kind of loudly, but you can't really... I mean, you can understand them, but it's annoying as all fuck.
2: Yeah,
1: it really got on my nerves, and it really kind of, you know, it really kind of hurt the film for me because it was really the most out of all of the amateur bits in this movie. That was the most amateur thing. I don't know if he was going for something there, Friedman, but that was the quite hit the mark. Oh, it really pissed me. I mean, it didn't piss me off. I mean, I won't say that, but it did (laughs) irritate me to to no end. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, and it goes on for a long time too. It's like a five or
2: six minute scene. But that's—I think—that's the thing. That's the mark of um, of a filmmaker of that time. There's a lot of padding of stuff. Yeah. Instead of taking ten more minutes off the runtime, make it seem peppier. They feel the need to lengthen it a little bit, and Mm -hmm.
1: you know. Or make it for make it drive-in length, right? You know, probably going to play the drive-ins. Need need at least eighty minutes, something like that.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. That's true. Um, There's a pretty bonkers decapitation scene on a staircase
1: <laughs> yes
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah which yeah i kind of like there's the, some good
1: moments in the movie i mean yeah there great.
2: is there is i think it, it definitely stretches its dollar you know um there's some horseback love
1: yes indeed yeah. i don't know why right. i don't know why i said it like that it makes me sound very perverted <laughs> yeah it sure does yes
2: <laughs> yes finally <laughs>
1: finally we get we hit one of sammy's sweet spots Perforated uh, bladders
2: for everyone. Ooh,
1: ooh.
2: Mm. Um, the date that uh, the De Niro-Strong love child goes on with um, Lee's. There's more exposition between he and her about what they want to do to each other <laughs> than I've ever seen. <laughs> He's like, and I'd like to kiss you now. And if I do that, then maybe we can go here and I can do this for us. And <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but you have to do this this way. And it's just like, fuck. It's not even like that make cute hipster stuff. It's just, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um some, I can't remember where now, but I know it was Boss Battle Nintendo music. <laughs> I, I don't know what that was in relation or in reference to.
1: I don't know either. That, that could be some of the music though we were talking about where it does miss. Because there are some good moments, but there are some bad ones too. Yeah, yeah,
2: for sure. Every date felt... What does it say? Every date felt... Oh, every date felt like Joe and the nurse's verbal jousts in Samurai Cop. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Just explain overly explaining everything. Um, I did not understand the last like 15 minutes of this film at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I just that was my note. I didn't quite understand the end.
1: Uh, I mean, it, so, it's uh, I've, I've watched it two weeks ago now, and same here. Yeah, I can still remember it, but I I still can't tell you what the hell it was supposed to mean.
2: I don't know, but again, I think you know. Sometimes it's okay to like with a film like this that has sort of a, you know, an independent kind of charm. I'm okay with that. I'm willing to overlook it because it, you know, it does some other things well. But it, but it certainly wasn't coherent.
1: Yeah, well, it's only 81 minutes long, but unfortunately, some parts of it make it feel longer than what it is. But I think for 81 minutes, um, it's 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 a it's a good one time watch at the yes, very least, uh, and an interesting curiosity. And you know, an interesting film to have in your collection, really, because uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 unlike a lot of things we do. We don't do a lot of witchcraft type material uh, on this show. Uh, not that I'm aware of, we don't. Um, but you know, it, it, that was interesting to do, and uh, yeah, there's some scenes in there that you know I would argue are some of the best scenes I've seen in a very low budget drive-in movie from the '70s.
2: I agree completely, and I think it is a film that has enough charm that. I would almost say it's one that um, if a few years went by, you'd almost be kind of nostalgic enough to think about a lot of the good stuff that you liked and you'd throw it on again. Like it's, I think it's, it's good enough for once every three, four years to watch. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a solid watch. You're not going to come away like annoyed or furious or pissed off. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, I think people, I think people who are really into this genre of horror film would probably like it a little bit more than me and you would. Sure. Um, But that being said, I mean, I think there is still something there for others to check out, and the transfer looks reasonably good too. I mean, it is kind of scratchy and mm-hmm. uh it's got some some chunks and some a little bit of mess in it and stuff but it's you know it's not remastered, but it does look good, all things considered
2: yeah, and again, Vincent does a good job of digging up something. From the depths and, and makes it look uh, good, all things considered, with what they probably had to work with.
1: Yeah, the dark scenes really transfer well on a DVD mm-hmm. format. I have to admit that the uh, cinematography really works and really holds up. I mean, because a lot of times with these older films, if they aren't really remastered... Oh, uh, the dark scenes are terrible. Yeah, the dark scenes can be really, really bad, and uh, that can be rough. Wow, the cinematographer on this ended up working on Terminator. He was a, no way! Yeah, he worked. Uh, he was actually assistant cameraman on Taxi Driver too. Wow! How about that? He worked with Scorsese a few times actually. That's crazy. Though, mostly he's a camera operator, though not a cinematographer. Still working today, it looks like. That's crazy. That is crazy. Wow! He worked on one of Zom's favorites, The Corruptor, with the uh, <laughs> Marky Mark and uh, Chow Yun Fat. There, man. Nice. That's what they should review with uh, the bad girls. So, Was uh, that one? Anytime you do Mark Wahlberg on that show, I, oh, yeah. I have a good time. <laughs> He'll be on our show again, though. That Hirschfeld guy. Well, not him in particular. Ooh, he directed. Oh, he didn't direct anything of interest. Oh, that's a shame. Okay, is that all your notes? Yes. Because I don't really have a whole lot more to add, uh, except that you know, if you have a death in the family and somebody shows up in a purple crushed velvet robe. Chances are you might want to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean she stood out. Yeah, did she ever, man? I mean even Prince was like, oh you know, I mean it was it was pretty crazy, you know. I think, I mean, yeah, I think it was like,
2: yeah, like plunging necklines with like wizard sleeves on it too. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean she went all out, man. But she really had a total cardinal vibe going, man. You were right about that. Yeah, she did. She's like the the Middle class man's Linda Cardinelli. Yeah. Cardellini. She, which she was pretty and talented. I wish she worked more.
1: Yeah, she is uh, the best thing about the film for me. Uh, I did like the opening quite a bit too. So, the really the two best scenes in the film are the opening and the uh, dialogue scene. Uh, mm-hmm. The last fifteen minutes is a little wacky and uh, out there and. I think it, it, it becomes a very desperate film in the last 15 minutes. It's like, we got to wrap this up, and we got to do it
2: somehow, some way. <laughs> they're trying to hold it together like enough to get that 80-minute run time.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're really desperate at the end of it, I think. So it's, it's very interesting. I think my major thing to say about this one is I'm really, and I'm going to say this a lot about the Vinegar Syndrome stuff, I think, as we cover it. I'm just kind of happy that this stuff is coming out because, you know, this stuff is the kind of stuff that you would have to, you know, look for.
2: Yeah, in this day and age, we all know about everything, you know, with with certain websites we can go to to find a lot of off-the-beaten-path stuff. So it's a real testament to them and their their knack for digging deep and finding some kind of diamonds in the rough. Um, Yeah, there's even a commentary
1: track on this by some collective of uh, internet uh, journalists or something. There's even a commentary on this film. So they even went the extra step.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Kudos to them, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what uh, film love is all about. And uh, I don't know if those guys, I haven't listened to the commentary. I don't know if those guys are like real well-versed in the cinema of Ken Friedman or if they were selected for a reason. Maybe they're into witchcraft cinema or just horror cinema in general. I don't know. But, uh, you know, that's, that's cool. That's cool that they're reaching out to film buffs to do a film commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I hope we see more of that actually uh, going forward. I know we've talked about it with a few people. Uh behind yeah, the scenes. Have. So uh, you know, it still might you know, still might happen one day. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh but that, that's all I got. That's that's it, man. We'll see. Nice. Your make or breaks and stuff.
2: Make or break was the monologue scene. As much as I love the opening, I think the the monologue scene could have really went off the rails and been dreadful. And it wasn't. It was a pretty good scene. It was pretty bizarre. It it worked well enough, certainly. Um My MVT is going to be Shelby Leverington, again, for a first-time actress. Having to bear the weight of the film, I think she does quite a good job of doing that. And my score is a 6.25. Nice. Um, I I, I quite liked it. Like I said, it's it's certainly not a world-beater. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to make it the top of any list, but very enjoyable. And I am happy to have it in my collection. I think for the right price, uh, you know, it's it's worth worth the money.
1: Yeah, we should say it's part of these uh, double feature discs that Vinegar Syndrome put out. And one of the reasons why we ended up doing this, I kind of mentioned that I was going to say this, and I said a little bit in the intro, but we were going to do another film called uh, Savage Water. Is that what it's called?
2: Yeah, it's a Wisconsin based and filmed and lends the. Uh, sort of proto gialli, yeah. which kind of piqued our interest.
1: Yeah, yeah, but unfortunately, I think Vinegar Syndrome didn't have really have the rights to release that, so they had to pull it off the shelves. So if you have that, consider yourself lucky because it does that it doesn't exist anymore; it's out of print. But so we, Will kept saying it's on the Death by Invitation disc, and I kept thinking, "Well, I got the Death by Invitation disc, but I have a movie called Dungeon of Horror on there." Yeah and uh so it got really confusing but there were no, this conversation we were having this facebook conversation we were having we kept saying death by invitation so eventually we were just like you know what let's just do death by invitation because we right. said it so much i think i was calling it invitation to death for a while <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh whatever so i was just like you know why not break it in with one of these and these double feature discs are pretty cool you know I, a lot of you guys that collect discs know about these double and triple feature discs but these are kind of cool they're kind of like drive-in uh kind of got that vibe they're Pretty bare bones for the most part. Just, I mean, as far as a case and a cover and a disc, but so far the transfers I've seen have been pretty good. I mean, it's not been, not been nothing been too shoddy. And I don't, I don't think they're remastered. They, they really just they're finding like the best prints of these things. So, more power to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, my make or break is also the monologue. I agree with you. I could have also went with the opening. I really did like the opening. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in for some fun stuff here. You know, we don't do this kind of film very often. A little Salem witch hunt type stuff going on. I don't know what's going on, but I'm into it. Uh, then the dinner scene throws me off, and then I get to the monologue scene, <laughs> and I'm okay again. There's also a bizarre scene of walking in the woods, and they stop at a tree, and then they just get up and go. I was like, that's the weakest search for a person I've ever seen before in my life. <laughs> I mean, if it's your loved one, your (laughs) daughter or your son, you would think you'd look a little harder than that. You would think. (laughs) Jesus. Um, My MVT is also Shelby Leverington. Leverington? (laughs) Not an easy name to say. Maybe she should have changed her name, and maybe that would have gotten her more work. She worked quite a bit, but mostly this was like her main lead role, I think, and I think almost everything she did after that was pretty much – uh, just kind of character work and background work. Ooh, she was in Cloak and Dagger. How about that? She played. Very cool. Uh, who'd she play in Cloak and Dagger. I know you guys covered with it. Yeah, I don't remember. It's been a few yeah. years now. Marilyn Gardner. Yeah, don't Isn't think. that the couple that meets him at the Alamo? I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, my score is just a little bit lower than yours. It's a 6 out of 10. I did have a, a lot of issues with that last 15 minutes. It's kind of fun as that last 15 minutes is as a chunk it really hurts the film in a lot of ways because I came away from it. And like I say, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a buffoon. I've seen a few movies in my day and I'll admit when a movie goes over my head and I didn't get it the first time, uh, I'll be the first one to admit that. But this one, I think I know what happened. I just don't understand why I did. And I don't understand what the hell they were trying to go for, but you know, it is an exploitation film. Maybe I should have just chalked it up to that. Who knows?
2: Yeah. No, I'm with you though. I guess that it does off the rails.
1: Yeah, just just slightly, you know, like screeching halt. It's like, what is going on? And it's another one of those. It's another one of these great situations. I love to tell that I started watching this thing during the afternoon. My son uh, was at school. Um, my wife uh, got up to uh, grab something to drink. Uh, you know, like a she she was working that night, and she was kind of thirsty. You know, you get up to get a drink of water or whatever. And she comes in. Of course, she comes in during the opening when all this bizarre behavior is happening. And I'm trying to say, I'm nice. sitting there, I just look at her like, yeah, hey, you know, this is this is what I do for a hobby. That's right. <laughs> and uh, I've been doing it now for years. Don't see at why it would she, change now.
2: <laughs> at least she didn't come in during Lise's bizarre monologue.
1: <laughs> well, she probably just would have walked past that. Well, I don't know. It depends on if she would have got to the oiled naked women bit or not yeah that's right still nothing better than the spray painted ass and the rape scene and death Wish, though that's still my <laughs> yeah i mean there's been worse she's walked in on trust me much worse but <laughs> uh <laughs> nothing nothing lends itself to trying to explain something to somebody like somebody spray painting somebody's ass <laughs> <laughs> unless of course you're you know at zom's house on a weekend so
2: that's precisely <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right we're gonna do some uh we're gonna do some uh um voicemail but before we do that i wanted to read one email in particular that we got because it is a pretty big deal and, and uh you know we don't toot our own horn very often um so it's fun when we get uh, emails from filmmakers mm-hmm. and uh, i know zach got, got a got a uh, email as well but i want to read that real quick to our listeners i'm gonna pull it up right now hang on one second here uh this is from the director of sons of steel um, I believe his name was, uh, Gary Keaty. Yes. And uh, like I said, you can find out more about sons of steel at uh, sons of com Dot au. Um, and, uh, look into, cause I don't think the film's available anywhere. I can't get a VHS release, but maybe you can get it through there. I can't remember, but, um, here we go. He wrote in and said, hi guys, a fan sent me your podcast and my film sons of steel and I enjoyed it. Thanks for the flattering marks. It's probably worth knowing that the film was made for 700 grand about the catering budget for an equivalent American film at the time. Pages of the script were being ripped out and discarded every day of the shoot because we didn't have enough money to shoot scenes. As a director and screenwriter, I have since Sons of Steel made a 62-episode television series and loads of other stuff. Recently, I completed the sequel to Sons of Steel, but not as a film, as a novel. It will be difficult to find a publisher for it because my plan is to market the book, Black Alice, Cyber Wars, packaged with the DVD of Sons of Steel. I'm currently looking for a literary agent in the U.S., sons of steel was never released in the usa in any form although it though it was sold to 32 other countries around the world and has remained a cult classic in many of them since just last year sons of steel was indict, inducted indicted inducted into the australian national archives as a cult classic national treasure sadly the film never made any money in fact it made me it sent me bankrupt it was, it was ignored by american distributors not for want of trying i spent a year in la offering the film and the soundtrack album to distributors in 89 rob hartley was with me and he was ignored by the industry, written off as a buffoon. He went back to be a singer and bricklayer in Perth, Western Australia. Hey, we got, we got friends in Perth. Yes. The plot I think you missed. Alice was turned into a hologram by a fascist government and released from it in the future, where he meets the scientist, Secta, who had originally digitized him. He learns from Secta, who had taken a long- longevity serum that the world had been all but destroyed by a nuclear accident that he had caused by organizing a peace rally on a ferry against a visiting U.S. nuclear submarine. The two had collided on Sydney Harbour, setting off a nuclear catastrophe that blew away mankind. Secta finds a way for Alice to return to his time to stop the accident. Yeah, I can see where we would have missed that. That's that's pretty complex.
2: I'm trying to. I'm saying it again in my head as you're saying it to see if I can understand it.
1: Yeah. Uh, In the sequel, Alice again dematerializes and slips into another dimension, another time, a time of the cyber wars where he again finds himself trying to save mankind from disaster. I'd like to thank Zach for introducing the film to you. Perhaps you could send me his email contact and get through uh, I can't get through him through the Lightning Bugs or website. He puts that, and I didn't really need to read that, but just to let you guys know, he did in fact get in touch with Zach, which was, uh, I know, very touching for Zach as well. So he Mm -hmm. says again, thanks, guys. uh, Best Gary Keaty. So yeah, we want to say thanks for uh, Gary Keaty sending that to us because. that's always nice, man, when the filmmakers of these uh, lost treasures, as we like to call them. But that's what they really are. I mean, these films that get lost. And, you know, without technology nowadays and stuff like that, nobody would see these things. Mm-hmm. These films would be gone. Our whole that's culture. True. I mean, I don't care what people say about something's merit. If a human being creates it, it's our culture. And it should be preserved. That's, just my, that's my
2: opinion. But That's a good opinion. I'm of the same opinion.
1: Yeah. It's all we got, really. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, I mean, we're all we're all just flesh and bone. The stuff we create is, mm-hmm. the, is the stuff. I'm trying to see what you posted. Still gross? For oh, yeah, that is still gross. Ooh, <laughs> <Yeah>. so wet. <laughs> I know, gross. All right, it's like yeah, I can imagine that you making that noise when you saw the pepperoni color. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. A couple of voice. We'll play some voicemail. I don't know how long we'll go. We'll play a few here. Here we go. Let me get one going. Here we go.
5: Hey guys, it's uh, it's Bernie Sticky here. just thought I'd drop you a line. Um, man, I just uh, I just walked up a large hill to get to my uh, my home, and uh, we're having a heat wave. It's like twenty eight degrees uh, outside. So um. I'm sweating. I don't know what 28 degrees is in uh, Fahrenheit. <laughs> 86. It's like 200 or something. I don't know. It's really fucking hot anyway. And um, 86. Come on, Bernie. I'm going to take my clothes off and stand in front of the, uh, yeah. the fan with my pants on. All right. So, uh, you know, to pictures it. to follow on Facebook, maybe. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I just wanted to call up because I just finished listening to your uh, Ninja 3, the domination show. And um, <laughs> I just wanted to say it was fucking awesome um you guys crack me up absolutely fantastic i shouldn't worry about the uh, the lack of maturity man because uh it's fucking it's gold it is uh, golden podcasting you guys just made me laugh and um i actually uh, procured a copy of uh, said film today uh through certain channels um because it's it's a gap in my cinema history it's not one i've seen before so uh thanks for turning me on to that and uh, i'm gonna hopefully watch it this weekend uh might try and get the wife to watch it she might like that kind of thing she likes uh, a bit dicky now and again oh yeah apparently ooh um and uh yeah so you know good stuff really enjoyed last week's show with uh, with davy mack as well uh over the edge great film i like it i like it more than you guys liked it um fantastic great to hear uh davy mack uh with you guys as well he's one of my uh, favorite uh, people on facebook Uh, And I just had this image of him, this kind of, you know, eight-foot-tall gore sat there in uh, leopard-skin briefs, uh, you know, sipping on his iced tea and being uh, all excited and texting with you guys last week. Fantastic. Um, So, yeah, you know, uh, keep up the good work. Love the show. Love you guys. Just under two minutes. How about that? All right. Take care, guys. Bernie Sticky, out.
1: Thank you, Bernie. Man, I love Bernie. Yeah, his, uh, his, uh, that's, uh... Totally accurate. That's exactly what Dave does when he records with us. So, yeah. <laughs> Dave won't deny it, so is don't it worry. True? I can I can comfortably say that you know he's probably doing that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, good old Dave. Yeah, thanks, Bernie. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, we we it is a weird thing. we I guess because we're older gentlemen. Although I don't think that makes any difference, judging by some of our friends and some of the stuff we all say on podcast. But I think sometimes because uh, I can tell you that in my normal life I have to be so mature that it sometimes feels kind of bizarre being so immature, but uh, it is a great stress reliever, let me tell you. It is. Oh, it definitely is. Getting on here and laughing with Will every week is, <laughs> is uh, oh, man, that's I would say that that's adding years to my life is the fun that I've had doing this. I would agree.
2: It, we're very lucky to have this. Bromance. <laughs> Broma- that's right, man. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, it's it true. is,
1: but it is. It's a bromance with all of our listeners, and a f- romance with our female listeners. I mean, it is. I mean, when we're we were together at the gazebo, all of us. I mean, the laughter is insane. I mean, they have to they have to call police guys to tell us to quit laughing so loud. That's so, true. <laughs> <laughs> that's how crazy it is. All right, here's a Bernie's cohort. Here, I think we'll see. We've got another voicemail.
0: Hey guys, just thought I'd call in with some uh, Django feedback. Really enjoyed the. Episode you did on that. That's an old one. Um, now I can't remember if it was mentioned or not, but um, there was a lot of talk of the the length of the film. But um, I remember when the film was uh, being sort of previewed and stuff before it came out, there were talks of like a free four hour long cut, which you know <laughs> would have been interesting to sit through. Um, but saying that, I you know maybe it would have fleshed out. Um, Jamie Foxx's Django a bit more because um, uh, I know there were crit- criticisms of him and his acting but I think as much as you could criticise him it, you know it's just his character seemed a bit weak and not fully fleshed out like the other characters he sort of seemed to take a back seat for most of the um, most of the scenes really Um then uh again i can't remember if it was mentioned but the the final shootout kind of well one of the final shootout kind of scenes reminded me a lot of um early hong kong john woo stuff um uh just yeah it's nice to see um see uh tarantino kind of using another one of his uh homages there. <laughs> um, or, what
3: do you mean, Chris? Maybe just
0: stealing it. <laughs> arrive, some people might see. Um, there you go, Chris. <laughs> but, but yeah, I uh, can't really think if there's any other thoughts I had. Those were the main things that sort of popped into my head. Um, but yeah, no, for it's worth, I enjoyed it. And um, I think that with Tarantino films and this one especially, you can take out individual scenes and watch them mm. and really enjoy them. I think as a whole, it might not flow brilliantly, but um, those individual scenes all all work for me. And yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, good stuff. Cheers, guys.
1: All right. Yeah, I, I think as Tarantino goes along, he becomes more and more of that fragmented filmmaker. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably what's going to probably end up happening with him is that he'll become more and more that, more and more this guy that uh, doesn't have a through line but has these. These uh, great moments, great scenes, blah blah blah. So, you know, you can't you, you can't hit it out of the park every time. At least for some people, anyway, you can't. You know what I mean, you just can't. So, that's just it. There's just no way. Let's play this one and get this out of the way because I wanted to. We got to address this one here because we've been hanging on this for a while.
6: Hi, guys. This is uh, Drew from Louisville. Uh, you said I have Louisville, a, right? Criticism. A uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, could we please stop eating on the show? Like Whoops. between the whole uh, chewing while we talk and the whole uh, clicking of the bowls, and uh, like, come on, man. <laughs> can, we, can we take five minutes before we record? No. Uh, but other than that, I love the show and thank you for doing what you do. Just, you know, can we have the cereal before the show? Thank you. I
1: cannot. Yeah. I think, yeah, Drew, you bring up an interesting point. I, I, have, this, I have this problem with kissing in movies. Uh, if the kissing is really loud, I get repulsed. Uh, i do not like the loud noises of kissing and if if i'm in and of course i'm a grown man now so i'm never in a room where people are kissing really loudly anymore you know when i was a teenager you'd have your best friend making out with his girlfriend right next to you but i I do not like uh public displays of affection that are wet and loud yeah it's excessive yeah it's disgusting so so that's my thing so i can see where i mean obviously the microphone's emphasize that a lot
2: more. They do, and the fact that we're up at quarter to five on a Sunday morning, um, respectfully, I don't want to get up five minutes earlier to finish my (laughs) cereal. I don't
1: blame you. I don't blame you. And I've eaten almonds on the show before, and you can hear me going... (laughs) <laughs> you oh can God. hear me doing yeah. that because I'm eating yeah. almonds. So I quit doing that because I was eating them for a while there. But
2: yeah. But thanks for the the positive feedback. We're glad you're digging the show, man. Yeah, it's,
1: you're uh, a local dude, fun. man. I don't even yeah. I don't even know who you are or where you're from. Uh, it's good to know that somebody else in this town listens. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So great. Yeah. No, he did say Louisville, right? So he's definitely a local guy. Oh yeah. Because he said Louisville. That's right. That's way you say it, baby. That's right, man. All right, let me see what else we got here. Let's see. Get this one in. Here we go.
3: Hey, guys. It's Scott calling. Uh, just wanted to call about your Delayo Volume 2 show. Oh, yeah. Coincidentally enough, I picked up this uh, box set uh, two weeks ago. The local shop here will probably know. they something called BMV. They sell a lot of used um, DVDs. And so I, I was actually flipping through their stuff. saw a used Blu-ray of the shoot first, die later. Uh, blue. Yeah, I took it to the desk, and the guy said, hey, listen, I've got... Uh, I think the Blu-ray for was about $10, 11 bucks, maybe. He said I got the whole box set on DVD if you don't mind for twenty bucks. So I was able to pick up the DVDs for twenty bucks, which was great. I went for all of them. Uh, I've only seen two of them so far, so I can't speak to Kidnap Syndicate. Shoot First Die Later was the first one I watched uh, about a week ago. It, it was good offbeat stuff. You know, it starts off with a bit of it. There's a sort of a really sort of jaunty car chase at the start there, and I thought it was just going to be a real cookie cutter movie, but it, it's not at all. There's some twists and turns here that I really appreciated. I think Miranda, uh, I don't know what you guys think about him, but I think he's very well suited for this role. I think they needed sort of the angel, pretty face, pretty boy kind of uh, cop for that role. Uh, When you you find out what's actually going on, I, I, I think he's kind of a good fit for all of that. Uh, So, yeah, it was pretty good. I kind of dug that one a bit. Uh, uh, There's some audio issues in this one, like the two Spanish guys had real Mexican accents. I I watched everything (laughs) dug. So let me talk about Naked Violence a bit. Boy, this was not what I expected at all. (laughs) Um, It was really weird, uh, kind of intriguing, pretty dull in spots. Mm. I thought the notion of these kids doing all that stuff was pretty crazy. And the uh, the way the interview started going, I thought it would turn into some sort of Italian uh, Rashomon or something, but it, It didn't end up going that direction. The flashbacks to the classroom were really odd, so, like, acid, trippy, melodramatic, maybe. I don't know if you guys had this, but on my uh, DVD, the dubbing was really, really weird. Uh, During some of the police conversations, some of the voices weren't dubbed at all. It was like pure Italian. Uh, And when when they're quizzing the kids, the kids' voices were all over the place. One kid had a real American accent. next kid comes through. He's got this crazy Cockney accent. like He sounds like the Artful Dodger. I don't know if you noticed any of that stuff. Uh, but I felt I know, like this one slapped that. together a little bit. Uh, it's really weird for a DeLeo film. I mean, I appreciate it. I think it could have been a heck of a lot better. So I'm I really uh, stoked to hear your thoughts because I'm nowhere near as knowledgeable. About this stuff, as you guys are, and I've still got Kidnap Syndicate to, to catch up on. Anyhow, that's it. Uh, as always, you guys rock. Talk to you soon.
1: All right, that's Scott from River Clickers. There, um I'm just glad Scott's getting into some Eurocrime. You know, I mean, I know that a lot of people, you know, we've turned a lot of people onto it. You know, we talked a little bit about with with with, with uh, Wendy last night. So it's just great that people are, you know, still to this day, more and more people are getting turned onto it. That's what I think uh, our our job, our goal is, right? I think you might be turned down again.
2: Ah, I was twice. <laughs> the The habit's so nice. I did it twice. Yeah,
1: let's see if you go for the hat trick. You know? Fuck.
2: <laughs> oh, I am Canadian. Uh, Scott's one of our favorite people. And again, this is not blowing smoke up anyone's oh. ass. Their show is one of the best shows that not enough people know about.
1: Yes, it's totally true. Married with Clickers, yeah, it's a great show. Very okay. uh, strange. So, not, when I say strange, I mean it in a good way. The way they just uh, decide on what films to pick, I can never predict them. Oh. It, they just—it's off the wall stuff, uh, and at the same time, it's kind of mainstream stuff. So it's—it's—it's it's, it's a lot of fun to listen to people. And Scott's about the same age as I. Actually, I think he is just a little bit older than me mm-hmm. uh him discovering some of these films it's always fun for me to listen to people discover these films and especially a husband and wife together you know so it's really nice
2: yeah definitely yeah can I, can I digress and just say that I, over the past few months i've spent a lot of time looking at photos of rita hayworth fuck she was beautiful man
1: <laughs> is that what you're clicking and doing
2: yeah as a matter of fact, man, she was beautiful.
1: Yeah, she was. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. But, yeah,
2: but I guess that's kind of actually um, topical because that's kind of in the wheelhouse of some of the stuff that the Clickers clan gets into. Yeah, yeah, they do a little bit more classic cinema
1: than, yeah. than we as do. as sleazy we- as us. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear them do some of that stuff, though. Oh, uh, yeah. Not, not because I'm, you know, this awful, evil person, but, you know. I know some of the books that are read over there at Marvel Clickers, and I know some of the you know, some of the TV that's watched over there at Marvel Clickers. Yeah, trust me, that cinema is not too far removed, except that your kids shouldn't see it. That's right. <laughs> oh man,
2: yeah. Let's see where that goes. All right.
1: And and actually,
2: why don't you guys do some Eurocrime on the show? We'll recommend some.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll recommend some. <laughs> I know one that shoots straight to the top of the list. Yes. And yes. I'll probably never be invited into Scott and Cat's house. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. We're going to uh, do another one here. Here we go. This is a short one. Short and sweet.
4: Hey, do you know where I can get a Harry Nary Baldy Kinsky?
2: <laughs> what? That's it. I don't know. <laughs> Say, can you play it again? I think I know who that is.
1: I think I know who it is, too. But uh, play it again.
4: Hey, do you know where I can get a Harry Nary Baldy Kinsky?
2: <laughs> Harry. Uh, Harry Nary. So where's Alba Fernando Baldi and Klaus Kinski. And Klaus Kinski. Yeah. Who's the Harry though? I don't know who the the hairy could be anybody. It could have been Rosalba Neri, but uh, <laughs> that's all right with me. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: Don't I, don't, I think I know who that was, though. We won't. We won't, uh, we won't out them. But you
2: know, we, we won't know. out them. But let's just say that. Uh, let's just say, um, upstate. Yeah. 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 I totally agree with you. <laughs> Not too far from you. Yeah. Not too far from me. <laughs> Yeah. Roots for the same college basketball team I do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Let's get these. Uh, let's see here. I want to make sure we get I them. I, we're not going to be able to do them all, but I want to try to get as many of them in as possible here. Let's get Man,
2: Rita Hayworth. Wow.
1: Let's get one from uh, Kent here. He's never called the show before. Here we go. Oh, this is a good one.
2: Yeah.
4: Hey, guys. it's Kent from the uh, Facebook forum. just wanted to call in and, uh, you know, give us sort of a thank you for uh, everyone on the Facebook that, uh, Supported me and uh sort of backed me up in my uh need to find a job, and gave me the confidence to actually get through the interview. Uh, you guys really have no idea how much of a confidence you all are. And I just want to thank you for that. Anyways, now I'm walking home from the first day, I'm gonna go see if there's a copy of Mud in my apartment's PO box. Later. <laughs> there we go
1: the ggtmc facebook group bringing people together helping people out that's what it's all about bro.
2: it's amazing it really does warm the heart to hear that man kent's a good dude it's it's nice to see you know whenever someone has a problem they feel like they can come and kind of get it off their chest in the group i mean because it's nice to be surrounded by great people i mean you can never have too many good people surrounding you and uh yeah this is true this is true. Congratulations
1: on the job, buddy. Yeah, man. Keep it going. Here we go. Got another one. Hey,
4: fellas. Uh, this is Cody. Oh, kind of um, low. Sorry for handing you all with uh, the voicemails
6: so much as of late, but
4: <laughs> I really wanted to call this one in
6: real quick. I was talking to, my, to a friend of mine a couple of days ago. He uh, told me about some crazy – you can remember the name of the title. Uh, he told me that there was this crazy Bigfoot movie he'd seen with his friend
4: on Cinemax
6: um, a couple months before. Um, just, but he, he couldn't could remember the title, but he was raving about it. I uh, asked him if it was Sweet Prudence. Turned out it was. So,
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> nice. I was going to yeah. say, uh, that's funny. You said
6: that. uh, lots of love for uh, Sweet Prudence. Come, come down here. Yeah. So, uh, keep up the good work, and uh, thank y'all. Talk
1: to you later. Bye. Nice, nice. Yeah, we love Sweeprudes, man. That's a, it's a great uh, silly B movie, man. It's just awesome.
2: Yeah, it sure is. It's a fun one. Good stuff.
1: Hopefully, uh, whatever Bill does next, uh, you know, we'll be we'll get a chance to see it again and uh, interview him again because he was a lot of fun to talk to as well.
2: Yeah, he definitely was. Real great guy, and and uh, it's always a treat to hear from our good our Cody.
4: Exactly.
1: Cody always sounds like he's walking and talking. He could be.
2: Yeah. He's a man. He's a man about town. Yeah. So let's get this one done here. Here we go.
6: Hey, Jen. Cinemastis Justin calling. In. I wanted to just give a quick shout out. And this is a surprising shout out. Um, Redbox is doing their little like Redbox instant thing. Uh, Sammy, you know, mentioned you know we're going to start seeing this a lot more now different companies trying to instant, um, and I'm not really a big fan of it, but they have a month free trial, you, you get to see their little instant catalogs. <laughs> this has been
1: a while free, back, I don't know if they okay. still got but that. Like,
6: Alright, I'll take the free trial. And I gotta say, looking through their catalog on instant, at first it looks kind of bleh, especially with the recent stuff, I mean, you're not going to get big titles or anything outside of the occasion, like Avengers, but a lot of it's already on Netflix and so that do make sense, but once I started getting to the 90s and the 80s, they got quite a few... GGT and C-titles that are streaming that aren't streaming on Netflix Cause they are checking Nope, yep you
1: got cut off let's we'll see if I got another one from him here let me see yeah I don't know when that was I mean I, I can't remember when they launched Redbox Instant it's been a while ago <laughs> yeah god I don't know let's we'll see if this one is a continuation hey
6: gent just Justin here uh, got cut off a little bit ago so I don't know <laughs> if you got much of my call but just mentioning uh, Redbox Instant they have quite a few GGTMC titles in here. Uh, right now, I'm going to be watching No Contest with which has Shannon Tweed, Andrew Dice Clay. Oh yeah, Robert Davi and Roddy fucking oh, Piper. And they got few Roddy Piper movies on here.
1: No, that's the uh, one that's like a so, home, home invasion um, movie. I, I think.
6: You know, hopefully, the streaming works well. It looks like it's streaming via some Verizon's. I don't know how that's going to work. It just started this. It's working fine so far. But uh, I don't think this would be a replacement at all for Netflix, and it might only. You yeah. Know, I think I've it's like
1: nine ninety nine a month or something maybe. Good,
6: but if you're gonna get a three month trial, you can get quite a few G T M C titles. So uh gents and all the gents listeners, uh give it a look. Read dot com. I was skeptical going in, but let's see. I mean I'm thinking it'll be something I'll keep, but definitely gonna plow through some of their content in the next month. All right, keep up the good work, guys.
1: Uh, eight dollars a month, uh with four D V D rentals at the box. Of course you guys
2: don't have the Red Box up there in Canada, right? We do now. Actually, oh, yeah. I, was, I was waiting for my wife. It was at a grocery store, and I was just looking around. and I saw a Redbox man.
3: It's a good. It's a, I it. mean, it's a
2: good deal
1: if you want to see like a mainstream Hollywood movie for super cheap. I, I still use it occasionally. Like occasionally, I'll. I I, th- I saw Avengers that way. I went up to the Redbox and they had Avengers in there on Blu-ray, and I rented it for $1.50. dollar fifty. It's, it's good, amazing. Good deal, you know.
2: Yeah, you're gonna watch it that night, and you're done, and
1: that's yeah, it, man. take it back on the way to work, and I was done. Yep. So it's $8 a month with 4 DVD rentals or $6 a month just for streaming. Hey, $6 a month for streaming. I might look into this. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah. It says I got 14,000 TV shows and movies. That's yes. a big number. That is a big number. <laughs> Hope they have a better seek and find mechanism than uh, Netflix does. Oh boy. Cuz they do yeah. not have a good one, let me tell you. How much more time you got here, Will? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, we'll get a few more in here. Okay. Let me get these other ones here from uh, somebody else. Sammy,
6: other. this is Thor, the God of Thunder. Oh, I'm just go. going to remind you
1: that my new movie, Thor, The Dark World,
6: <laughs> is coming to your American town in just a few more weeks on October 28th. I know, Sammy. You love <laughs> Thor, I know we had our differences with the first film, but we made up on Avengers. And I promise you that you're gonna love Thor: The Dark World, uh, just like everybody well loves me, Thor. So I just want to call and remind you to see Thor: The Dark World, or if not, I will come down to Louisville, Kentucky, and I will force you to watch it while I bash you in the skull with my hammer. And uh, wanna-
1: okay, you get cut off there. Thor did. Thor needs to get a new uh, data plan or something. Here, it does man? How dare
6: you cut off Thor, the <laughs> God of Thunder? I was just closing up my thoughts about seeing my new film, and I was going to suggest how I feel that this planet of yours is too hot. I <laughs>
1: <laughs> got cut off again. <laughs> I hope Thor isn't using Verizon Wireless like Justin yeah, is. That's it? right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, if, uh, let's see if Thor calls back.
6: What is this, hogwash, silver and gold? You know what's Sammy. Yeah, Now you're being punished. I'm going to make that little bitch cinematic after change choice to Thor, and you have to watch my movie again. Oh, and then no, you go no, see no, Thor no. the Dark World. Well. I'm leaving now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Justin, is. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, well, that was Thor. But uh, for those yeah. of you who don't know, uh, Justin is going to be on the show sometime in the future. and one of his films, he's already selected, uh, or his film, he selected. He's already he's made that choice. And uh, now, if Thor gets a hold of him, we're in deep shit.
2: We are. Well, you're in deep shit. I, okay. I actually like Thor, but that's yeah. because I think the character sucks so hard. That well, I yeah, yeah. No, pleasantly surprised. Again, I should you, al-
1: I, I should always say that I don't like the film. I don't like the story, but I do think Hemsworth is like the perfect.
2: The perfect oh. thing for that movie. And he's like MVT all day. Oh, man. And the thing is, it, it's not just that he looks the part. He is the part. Like, sometimes like, I can look the part, but just doesn't quite pull it off. Because, yeah. we'll, you know, we'll say things like, you know, he had a look, but blah, blah, blah. But, you no, he nails it. He totally yeah. nails it. And uh, let me get this one yeah. from uh,
1: Demise. And, yeah, I think Himmler, I Himmler is going to be huge. I got to admit, I know this sounds crazy. I did not have any interest in this film before it came out. But I do want to see Rush.
2: Oh, I, I do not want to see it, but it's been getting insane reviews. I know,
1: man. And I'm hearing it's mostly because of the relationship and I like both of those actors a lot. So Yeah.
2: I, you know, I gotta I
1: gotta say, man, I, I and I am the least knowledgeable person about Formula One racing that you will ever meet. Yep. Yeah. So but I still wanna see it. So I mean I'm not gonna rush out and see it. I don't rush out to see anything. Oh
2: no yeah.
1: Can I stay Hi. since we're talking about clock? Oh, hang on. Uh,
6: I just
2: Okay, there you go. Sorry. I meant to say this last night to Wendy, and I didn't get a chance to, again, double page spread in the episode. Sammy and I guest on how happy I was to hear that Anthony Mackie uh, has secured the role of the Falcon, and it's going to be a juicy role in the new Avengers film. Yeah, it's good news. It's great news, man, and you know what drove it home was the fact that he had said, you know, being African-American, he goes, I have sons, I have nephews, he goes, they're going to get to see me on the big screen as an African-American hero in a film. It's really made me feel good, and, and you and I are big Anthony Mackie fans, and it's yeah. nice to see um, him, him being able to cash in now. I hope they handle awesome. the character well is my only concern. Yeah, Talk I agree. A, it's a
1: character, it's a tricky one. You think Captain America's a tricky character, the Falcon's just as tricky. And Yeah. Could be a disaster if they don't handle it correctly. So uh, my, my son loves Falcon, by the way.
2: That's <laughs> cool. Man.
1: I should have mentioned I know you got, you know, your son loving Robin, which is kind of you know, a little off the beaten it, path, but
2: it is for sure.
1: I'm hoping my son doesn't come to me one day and say, Dad, I really want a Falcon shirt. I'm like, Oh fuck, where am I gonna find a Falcon shirt?
2: <laughs> but I've went online, I almost bought William a seventies uh, nightwing shirt and and he's got like a butterfly collar. It's like that's cool for me, but it's like a disco nightwing shirt, and my uh, kid's yeah. four, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I can't really buy it. You know when that's
1: cool when man. we were kids and they had underers and stuff. uh, When I was kids with my brother, we had those superhero underwear, and oh yeah, I was Batman and he was Robin. He he, my brother always loved Robin, but it's weird. Robin just kind of, as far as pop culture goes, he kind of became a I don't know, almost a pun.
2: Well, he did, but it's almost like Bucky, right? Yeah. But it's weird because I liked Bucky. I don't know. But I don't know. I think, um, yeah, it's very strange. But look, underoos, that's why green's still my favorite color because the Hulk and my green and purple underoos. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, To they this had, day. You had Marvel and DC with underoos. It was nice. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, mean, I still have the picture of me for Christmas holding them up like, look what I got,
1: motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We used to get to wear that stuff. We'd get to run outside and play in our front yard. We'd tie a towel around our neck. Or we'd safety pin it if it was a smaller towel. Yep. And so we had a cape. And then we had yep. the Underoos shirt because you had an underwear-type shirt you got with yes. this, this packet. And then we got to wear the underwear. Now, we didn't have to wear pants outside. Now, in today's society, you can't do that, really, because oh,
2: no. uh, people will think your parents are insane. Child Protective Services would be called. and But, you know, back then, that was our superhero costume. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Everybody ran around. You know, wasn't that big a deal. So, yeah. crazy. <laughs> Hanging on trees and shit in my Batman yeah. underwear. Amazing. Yeah. What's really amazing is I did that again just last night. Nice. All right. Let's get this one back this one to my eyes I think
6: it's, it's kind of funny that the last three times I've wanted to call you guys, I've wanted to talk about nature versus nurture, raising kids, how their inner chemistry has to balance with the way we raise them and how they all end up so different, and then crimes and family and hoping your kids turned out right and rolling the dice, and I keep reminding myself you're a movie show, movie show, movie show, but it's not a complaint. I adore you guys. I love the stuff you talk about. I love how you reflect on your personal life, and and if I could spend an hour just talking about some of these side conversations, I would. But then you'd have to become a a are you serious slash GGTMC kind of show, <laughs> and you know I don't think we need that
1: without the but politics. Yes, I
6: love it. I love yes. the way you guys do this. I love the way your introspection just goes anywhere or extrospection. Anyway, calculator like
1: well, yeah, I mean, you guys are, you guys have listened to us and have listened to us for a long time. You've listened to us change. When we started the show, neither one of us had a child yet, a physical right. child. Will had one on the way. Yeah. Um, so you guys have listened to us change. Um, you've probably heard me say things that were a bit crass, which nowadays I would never say. It's pretty crazy how it changes you and what it does to you. And
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, I, it's, I, it has I, come a long way.
1: Like. Yeah, I expect that uh, there'll be more change to come. Let me tell you. Yeah, for real. All right, let me get let let's get uh, one from Paul here, and then we'll call it a night. A little refiffy. <laughs> hey
4: Hi, guys. It's Paul here from Manchester. Just wanted to say, um, still really enjoying the show. It's just, you have absolutely brought it over the last couple of months. I think this is, if you don't mind me saying, like, the best run you've been on in terms of films you've reviewed. You've done oh. like Rumblefish, Ghosts of Civil Dead, Purple Rain, Brood. Yeah. You know, Jangle Unchained, um, Kickboxer. Oh, yeah. You know, and there's, I mean, there's plenty more as well. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Think about a quality that you've. Um, in covering of late and it just makes it more of a pleasure to call and to listen to every week still at five in every Monday um, in the afternoon before I leave work to get the, the show to listen to on my way home um, so yeah I just want to say keep up the good work here. by far one of my favourite podcasts that there is going Um, in terms of covering such a broad spectrum of films is not as um, well there isn't anybody but anyone better really at all you just I don't realise that you guys realise how good you are at what you do you should get paid to do it. It's that good. Anyway, <laughs> oh, thank um, you.
1: Yeah, I wish. I'll yeah.
4: <laughs> speak to you guys soon and keep up
1: the good work. Bye. Thanks, Paul. Paul's a dear and very close friend at this point of the GG TMC, and I wanted to make sure we get one of his voicemails in because he sent a few. I got a few more from him, uh, but uh, he's just a he's just a generous soul. I guess there's no other way to put it. I mean, this guy's uh, he kind of came on the scene and he's. Uh, I would say Will and I consider him a uh, a dear friend. I mean, we consider all our listeners friends, but there's some that sure. you know we just you know have this connection
2: with, and Paul's one of those. And yeah, we love you, man. He really is, man. Just he's a true gent in every sense of the word, man. Just a really good person. I yeah. mean, oh, listen, I think I had him uh, stay at sleep in my house with yeah. his wife uh, when you know when they were here. I mean, that kind of tells you what I think. Considering I have two young kids, I, yeah. Kind of says it all.
1: I would have loved to admit him because you know I'm a bit of an Anglophile anyway. You know that probably. You know mm-hmm. I watch a lot of British television. I love the oh, I, I love the continent. I love the uh, love the continent of Europe. I love the country of UK. Uh, you know I I love all that stuff. So I would have probably been making out with him and making those slurpy kissy sounds. <laughs> yeah. While you're eating cereal and watching it. You know? That's one hand, at least. I mean cereal. <laughs> yeah. The other hand, you're <laughs> flogging the bishop yeah yeah but yeah thanks Paul thanks so much and uh, thanks for your recent gift paul's uh hooked me up recently, and uh for that uh we're gonna be covering that film uh soon sooner rather than later, I think, so I'm looking forward to it all right, do you turn down again or did I lose you? I'm here I okay. was, yeah, <laughs> making sure you wasn't doing that with the uh Rita Hayworth pictures you're posting. Good Lord, yeah, I know. The Claudia
2: card now—that was a low blow, man. Now you're now you getting Zom involved. I knew I knew that would, pl- buddy. As soon as I saw Claudia's name, I knew that would bring Zom
1: into the mix. Yeah, you just all you got to do is Zom. Yeah, or post Claudia uh, or post—I don't know something else. I'm not going to say it to be distasteful. Oh, <laughs> uh, but her name is Kay. Anyway. <laughs> let's uh yeah that's that's the show man um you guys uh, just to kind of give you guys a heads up this is 255 i think uh we we got some big stuff planned we got some fun stuff coming your way uh we got some major announcements coming your way um i keep saying that and it sounds kind of cryptic but i don't know how else to kind of lead up to what we're getting ready to do and kind of do with the show um we feel like the show will have a life for a long time and so some things are going to change. Uh, some changes are going to come about. Uh, some are going to love them some might not like them at all um, but the 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 quality of the show the the, the guts of the show, so to speak that 's not changing no there 's still two film coverage, all these things that 's all going to still be here the community that 's all still going to be here it 's just going to be some minor tweaks in here and there, and some things we need to do
2: yeah there's it 's not being done for the sake of doing it there's there 's perfectly sound reasons and uh, like, you know, I think really the stake will remain the same. It's the sizzle that will change. Yes. Just slightly, though. Not much. Just, just slightly. Yeah. But, uh, but certainly that sizzle will really sizzle for some. Yeah. But we still got some really good
1: things uh, coming up. I mean, we got some good interviews uh, coming up. We got some people that have reached out to us and vice versa. And, yeah, I'm really excited about those because some of them I just can't believe we're going to do. <laughs>
2: some uh, yeah partnerships with uh with some really great people that uh the pacific northwest for yeah. example we don't
1: push we don't push ourselves enough sometimes i think and paul's got a point we are we we try to push ourselves but we are pretty modest and uh and humble and i you know i take pride in that i don't think we're the kind of guys that like to toot our own horn but every now and then it is fun to say that uh i'm really glad to be doing this and it's come a long way and and we wouldn't keep doing it if people didn't love it as much as they do. I mean, we get a,
2: a lot of feedback telling us that people do love it. So, and a lot of joy for us. But like you said, I just we don't always realize it sometimes. It's and we don't really put we don't have the time and force me to to push it as much as we'd like. But yes. it's good to have keep this big train rolling with a lot of uh, a lot of people keeping it moving, man.
1: Yeah, and it's going to keep on rolling as far as we're concerned. Yep, until we well until it just can't roll anymore. Until the train track rolls out, so who knows when that'll happen?
2: Yeah, that's right. But it's and, it, and but you needn't worry. It, it's yeah, y- yeah. years, like I said. I we've made plans for when <laughs> I die, and I guess with God forbid, Hamza Sammy are going to keep this thing going. So, well,
1: that's that's the that's the whole point in fostering a community. I mean, we yeah. you know we want this thing to live forever because the love of cinema that has created this saying of GGTM at C type films and things like that the love of that is uh, is something that even we couldn't have predicted really we just thought it was me and will so
2: yeah and it sounds cliche but it is bigger than us yep, so and then we're glad that it's bigger than us
1: we sound all kinds of like like we're going somewhere and this thing we're, <laughs> we're not
2: we're not, we're not. we have our white suits on with our steel briefcases yes
1: exactly exactly and as of next week actually we're next week we're gonna be doing our Diabolic DVD show so next week it's my time to my time my choices my programming my whatever. And we are going to have a couple doozies. One neither one of us has seen, uh, called The Odd Angry Shot from Australia uh, on Blu-ray from Synapse. And uh, the other uh, one we both have seen and we've been wanting to talk about probably since about episode, I don't know, I think it was on like one of the first roadmaps. Uh, If not the first, it was definitely on the second. I know I wanted to talk about it for a long time, so... Uh, because we don't talk about a whole lot of it, and it's my favorite genre of horror film, but we don't talk about a whole lot of them, but we've done a few, but we haven't done one in a long time. I think like it's the last Halloween, I guess. But uh, we're kind of going to get going here. we got uh, one coming. It's going to be out uh, October, so I expect some horror coverage coming, but here's one called The Burning. We'll be doing The Burning, a very yeah. infamous slasher film. Um, the great scene on the lake. Yeah, one of the great slasher scenes on the lake. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of. Maybe out of all the Slasher Kills, maybe that's a top five. It's kind of hard to argue with that, I think. Yeah, it is pretty outstanding. But we'll know. We'll see. We're going to go back and revisit it on the uh, Scream Factory Blue. So that's going to be fun. So looking forward to talking about it. Looking forward to Halloween. Looking forward to a lot of stuff that's going to be going on. The fall is always a great time for movies, for cinema. Uh, For
2: cardigans.
1: For me to say, I should have said movies, for cinema, for film, which is all the same thing.
2: Like a dumbass. But anyway. But it's not the same thing.
1: I guess not. But, you know, it is what it is. Can I
2: say two things? Sure. Uh, For the midnight ride. I should uh, (laughs) should have said, no, you can only say one. (laughs) Uh Oh, I would have had to make a hard decision then. (laughs) This came up organically in a conversation with someone. I'm curious to get your opinion. Anyone who wants to feedback this in the group, feel free to do so. Um, Michael J. Fox. Um, I would never say he's my favorite, but... I had said someone had something, but he's got a new show or something coming. I said, you know, I said, I may not love Michael J. Fox, but I'd be hard-pressed to find someone that says, I fucking hate Michael J. Fox. So, have you ever heard that? Because he seems to me to be such a likable guy. I
1: have never heard any bad things about him showbiz-wise, no. and nor have I had, do I have any friends uh, who have ever said a bad word about Michael J. Fox. And I'll come on the air and say... I adore Michael J. Fox films. I yeah. I, I was really sad when uh, he left the entertainment business because I don't I never thought he was a great actor, no. But he is an incredibly likable
2: actor. He sure is. Yeah. He I sure know. is. It's easy to get behind him, and uh, yeah, it is real sad. But he's 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 carried himself with a dignity and a class, a sense of humor that um, uh, I think is is rare. But uh, I just yeah, I was thinking I, I was like I'm waiting for someone in the group to go. I fucking hate him, but. I'd like to see if someone does because uh yeah. I don't I can't think of anyone in my life I've ever heard say, and I fucking hate that
1: guy. I would hope that if anything and God forbid anything ever happens to any of us that way, I would hope that all of us have the strength to handle something like that that he has. I mean, I don't normally say that kind of stuff, but I've been terribly impressed with somebody. You know, I've I've had people close to me with that condition, Parkinson's and uh it's it's dreadful. And Boy. uh you know, it's, uh, you know, he's handled it like a, like a champ, man. And uh, I got to say, bravo to him. I mean, he had kids to raise and everything when he we got diagnosed. It was, yeah, prime of his life, man. Yeah. So bravo wow. to him. Yeah. We don't normally get into too much personal stuff with actors and stuff on the show, but yeah, I'd be more than glad to talk Michael J. Fox any day.
2: I figured it was topical in the sense of film and it just, it never had struck me until then. It was like, wow. Second thing is not film related at all okay it's it's apple related and I, when I mean literally apples that you eat okay so we were at the apple orchard today at this farm and uh do you guys like honey crisp apples are they a thing up there uh yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they are
1: I, I i love apples of all taste and flavors so so do i i'm a so big, I. Big, big big fan of the apple
2: yeah me too and uh they're pretty um variety there's there's a lot of ways you can go with an apple baking and cooking yeah. and so forth but uh Honey crisps are a great apple. They're expensive, though. They tend to be about two to three times the cost of sort of normal, your max, and your Red Delicious and stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'll tell you what. Like here, Here's to give you a price point. I went to the orchard. You're going to pay a little more, right, because you're getting them directly from there versus at a Walmart or somewhere. They right. bought you know these huge numbers. But you're supporting the farm, so you're happy to do it. I bought three bags of 10 apples. Okay, so I bought 30 apples, and I paid fucking $60 <laughs> for those apples. Jesus. It, well, it was that thing where I said to my mom, you know, I'm going to get you some Honeycrisp, mom. And I know my in-laws them. I'm like them. I figured I'd get a bag for us. And I got up to the counter and the kids were kind of going bananas and I couldn't do the Reed Richards stretch my arms thing. <laughs> so it was like, and the girl goes, oh, uh, that's 58, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm like, fuck me, man. I just paid $60 for apples. Really? <laughs> but I'll tell you, Honeycrisps are a good apple. Like it's, you can peel them and they stay white. They don't go brown. Yeah. Yeah, that's necessarily the mark of a good Apple, but it's kind of one of the unique traits of them. So my question for any Apple aficionados or even yourself, is there something comparable to a Honeycrisp that's (laughs) not in the Honeycrisp price range? Getting killed with these Apple prices. So
1: you're looking for a bootleg Honeycrisp. I'm
2: looking for a bootleg Honeycrisp. (laughs) (laughs) I I can tell you, if
1: I was a cashier... At that place and somebody paid 60 dollars for apples no offense to you but I'd be I'd have to say how do you like them apples man
2: <laughs> yeah for real I felt like Vincent Vega with the milkshake yeah. you know it's just yeah. it was unbelievable like I said I know they're strong price wise well you but... know
1: I you know I've I've been to a restaurant before and uh, my wife thought I was insane but I've paid fifty dollars for a hamburger before
2: but you're getting good beef though yeah right? yeah
1: but I mean still fifty dollars oh, yeah. for a hamburger that's embarrassing there's, yeah, that yeah, is. There's people. Is. There's uh, people starving somewhere, and I'm paying fifty dollars for a hamburger. Come on.
2: Uh, good point. Good point. <laughs> no, you're right. That's that's ridiculous. That's that's being charged that price just to say that you ate a fifty. Not not you, but the the menu. They're doing that. No,
1: I ate that's it because it. it was a fifty dollar hamburger. I okay. can be honest with you right now. Okay. I didn't I didn't okay, eat it for any other enough.
2: reason. Fair enough. Was, but that's the thing, right? It's yeah. the thing of I ate a fifty dollar hamburger. Just like when you see these, you know, twenty thousand dollar ice cream sundays. It's like, come on, man. It's not going to taste that much better than a Dairy Queen. No. But they, they they try
1: to, yeah, there's something psychologically, though, for people when they hear, and I know we're diverging a little bit, but there is something psychological for people, I think, sometimes when they feel like if they pay for, you know, if they pay for a name brand, if they pay for something like that, they, they think they're getting the quality. And in some cases, it is true. But uh, as we all know, in some cases, it is not true as well. So,
2: you know. Oh, yeah. It's definitely not the case in some cases. And
1: food-wise, I can say I've I've paid a lot for meals in the past. Um, and been very disappointed and, uh, realized that I'm just paying for the meal because I'm paying for the place or I'm paying for the, the popularity or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But uh,
2: there's some steakhouses that it's absurd and you are paying for, yeah, just, it's just because it's some steakhouse and it's really not worth.
1: Yeah. The- I, I can tell you the best steak I ever had. I was a kid. I went to a farm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, My dad was there. I didn't know what we were going to this farm for. Uh, My dad blew the head off a cow. Uh, I know this might be hard for some of our vegetarian listeners to listen to, but this is the truth. Uh, You know, he shot the cow. Uh, We spent the next six or seven or eight hours, I can't remember, uh, dissecting and cutting all this cow meat up. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. It'll last you a while, though. Yeah, we came home uh, with those uh, steaks through those, you know, through four steaks on immediately, put the rest in the freezer. But, man, those steaks, those first four, oh, Forget about mm. it. if you're a meat lover, man. Fresh steak is it's out of sight. It's unbelievable. So
2: yeah, no, it, you're right. You know, we've done that thing where you buy half a cow or whatever. It's just you put it in the freezer. It's you know, it's you get a good butcher and it's a good thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And but I gotta say, man, I I think I've said to you. Before, I prefer sometimes a good pork chop on the barbecue to a steak. No, no, no. I, I love a good pork chop. I love too. a good pork chop, man. Seasoned, right? The truth. The truth of the matter
1: is, if it's meat, <laughs> I'm going to eat it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I've sat down with you at a Greek restaurant with a plate full of meat, and I know you're. Oh, yeah. and I know you're going to throw down as well. So
2: oh fuck, and then a Cuban cigar, man.
1: <laughs> oh god. Oh uh, boy. And I was squeezing a Cuban cigar.
2: <laughs> man, you were yellow and sweating. And you went into Ooh. the washroom, man. Man, <laughs> shit. Jesus. I just told that story. I think to Paul or someone when uh, <laughs> when they were here. I was like, man, I took him to get some Greek food. He ate some flaming cheese, and a lot of souvlaki, and he just. Then a Cuban cigar. I think I put him over the top. Maybe he had to get off that patio pretty fucking quick.
1: Oh man, I had the meat sweats, the <laughs> yeah. fucking Oh. It was so bad. But it was one of those things it was one of those things though that as soon as I was done, I felt like a thousand percent better. You felt like a million bucks. I was like, fuck,
2: that was great. You felt the way you should feel after eating flaming cheese, having a plate of you know grilled chicken meat and yeah. a cuban cigar that's how you should feel not like you got the meat sweats and the shits and
1: <laughs> right after i was done i was like Opa. Jesus.
2: yeah that's right man <laughs> oh, oh, good boy. times
1: that's why you that's guys true. should definitely come and see us sometimes at uh some of these get-togethers because those are the type of stories that go around yeah
2: that's right man <laughs>
1: but yeah that's we're right. looking for a bootleg apple so everybody let bootleg, us know yeah
2: the bootleg honey crisp we're on the lookout guys let's make it happen.
1: Yeah, cuz I'd be curious as well cuz I'm I'm not paying $60 for 30 apples. No, I I don't want to. I'm not about that anymore. It's like uh Red Delicious no. tends to be the go-to cuz my son loves them and of course I do as well. So
2: my wife does. I like them. I've kind of reverted back to the mac even though it's a cheap apple. I like that it's tart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's are we we are you guys uh the Granny Granny Smith apples you guys? I did them a lot as a kid because being a Smith, I felt like, "Oh, look, I'm eating a Granny Smith." and I'd ask for them as a kid. It's now, my of, kids are getting it's kind of them.
1: disturbing that you would say that, though. Yeah,
2: yeah it is. actually it is. Maybe it's saying a lot about me where I'm at now with <laughs> Dylan Dylan esque proclivities. <laughs> You know, but yeah. uh, no, I read delicious are a good one. Uh, I find like the yellow apples tend to like the golden delicious. They tend to go soft too quickly. Yeah, yeah, they do. Or they're naturally a bit soft. Which yeah, they I don't do. like it. Like yeah. a firm, crisp apple. Yeah, they're
1: a little mushy sometimes. Yeah, yeah, which is a yeah. put off, man. You but guys yeah. eat
2: Chinese pears? This is the last thing. Chinese <laughs> pears. You ever eat Chinese pears? Uh, I don't know. I, I bet I have. They're good. They're not for everyone. They're very watery. If, if you're on a diet, they tell you to eat Chinese pears yeah. because they have less sugar in them and stuff. Yeah.
1: Pears, pears and me, I love pears, but uh, sometimes the the granularity, is that the right, oh, yeah, the granularity? Yeah, 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 absolutely. They're a little too grainy for me sometimes, and sometimes it just bothers me because I don't like anything like really grainy on my teeth. I'm really weird about that.
2: I said I was going to be the last thing, and I lied. <laughs> you know what really repulses me is if you eat a popsicle and you have like a wider wooden stick on it and you <laughs> run your tongue along that wood. Oh. <laughs> oh, for some reason, it physically makes me ill. I don't know why. Oh, that's uh, terrible.
1: It's like, oh, when you, it's like when you guys were talking about fish sticks. You know, like I said, I had one one time, and it was fish oh. it was fish pudding, and I never fucking had another oh, fish stick after that's
2: that. so gross, man. Fish pudding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh. All right. We hope you enjoyed The Gentleman's Guide to Personal Information. Yes. We'll try to make this a natural thing. <laughs> All right. I don't have anything else. Uh, we don't have time for pleasuredry stuff. It's late at night. But uh, oddly enough, Will and I are going to get more sleep tonight than we normally get. So... Yeah,
2: but not by much, but every little bit counts.
1: Yep. So with that, we will say, uh, yeah, adios. Adios.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com.